Uh, good morning, church. It's uh, wonderful to be with you this morning, and I think this morning is going to be a little bit different uh, for you guys. My hope this morning is to share with you God's faithfulness into my life. And as I've been thinking about and praying about a word I wanted to bring to you this morning, I think the word that God really has put in me to share with you is a reminder that the gospel really works. The gospel really works. So if you're here and you're visiting and you're here for the first time and you are thinking like, what is this whole Christian vibe? Oops, rocking up early on a Sunday morning after miss my brunch. You know, there's a couple of aunties waving their hands during the songs. And I'm not really sure, like, like what is going on here? I think this message is hopefully uh, just going to stir some faith in you. On the other end of that, this morning, I think I've met so many uh, people who've been faithfully walking with Jesus for decades and decades and decades that love Jesus, that love the word, that love the church, that faithfully serve. And I, I think my heart is to remind you that the gospel hasn't changed, that Jesus is still on the throne, that he is still turning lives, I was going to say upside down, but I mean, he's turning lives up, back upright, right? Making us right again. God is, God is still doing that. He is still restoring people and families and it's going to be restoring the city. And I just, in my heart, it's like there's been this anti-Joburg sentiment over the last few years of just like everything sucks. Everything's dirty. Lights are off. Everything's expensive. And I just want to, I want to remind us that each one of us, that the church is the hope of the world. That we are the ones that are bringing our, our hope bringers into, the, into communities, into schools all over the place. And this morning, as we leave, I hope that you understand that God has uh, an assignment for you. That he's, he's tired of the church just, in, just being, looking inward, enjoying ourselves, thinking, oh, at least I'm doing okay. But actually that he's going to use you to fix Joburg, Africa, and the world for his gospel. Amen? Okay. Uh, so this morning, things are going to be a little bit... Uh, different in our church, just like your church. We love scripture. That's the ultimate authority over our lives. And that is where we go to. We know we don't go to church for good advice. Uh, you can go to find good advice on Instagram if you want. Uh, but we come to church to hear the word of God. In saying that, as I've come this morning, I feel um, that I've just felt uh, uh, God speaking to me in wanting me to share a bit of my story with you. Um, as Dave was sharing, uh, we just recently planted a church called God First Josie East. Uh, it's very nondescript, right, Josie East. Uh, it's just east of the Johannesburg CBD, about 400 meters east of Ellis Park, um, the home of the lions. And um, uh, we call Josie East because we're a small if you're on this street, you're in Bertrams. If you're in our road, you're in Lorenzville. If you're two roads up, you're in Judith Paul. Yeovil just to the north. Troyville just to the south. So the communities are very small. That's why we, we Josie East. Um, and I'm going to share you a bit of our story of how I came to faith in March 
2014, which is nine years ago, which is blowing my mind. And uh, the story of getting saved and a bit of my story into youth ministry, uh, back to the city, and being here before you this morning. Okay, that's the journey uh, we're going on today. But before I continue, I'm just going to pray for myself, I think, and pray for us as a church. So let's pray. Now, Father God, this morning, I just, I pray, won't your spirit be on me? I pray, won't faith be stirred? Won't we know, Lord, that there is a call on our lives uh, from you and that you're with us every step of the way? And I want to pray for people here this morning who, who've maybe become a bit like, okay, like blase with the goodness of God. I pray, won't you rock us this morning? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, so as we, uh, as I'm sharing this morning, one of the things we've been encouraging our church to do, and which I want to encourage each one of us to do, I love when I read scripture. Scripture actually calls us, each one of us, to be witnesses of God. Calls us to be witnesses. And if you think about it, a witness's job isn't that hard. A witness just has to say what he or she saw or heard and communicate that to whoever's asking, right? That's what a witness does. And as we walk with God and we witness the work he's done in our own lives, the lives in our families, uh, uh, how he's been changing things around us and people close to us, we are called to be witnesses. So if you were walking outside of the church and a car hits another car and the police come and they say, guys, what happened? If you saw that, you can just be a witness. You can just tell them what happened. Sometimes we can become fearful as Christians because we think that each of us have to become a theologian, that we have to know everything about the Bible from beginning to end, know every difficult doctrine before we can confidently share our faith. And that is just not the truth. So I don't know if you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, but God wants to use you, your story, and those around you today. There's something about us understanding our own journey with God and faithfully communicating that to those around us. Okay. So this morning, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 2. And it's a well-known passage. Um, and then I'm going to unpack this for us, right? This is what Ephesians 2 says. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. So this morning, as I uh, go through a bit of my journey, I think how I've thought about this is I'm going to be starting quite inward. Think about the first circle, how God came into my life and, and saved me, and how over time the gospel has gone forth into schools and youth and high schoolers all across Joburg. Uh, from there, how the gospel got into the city, into our periphery, and then how that has led us to plant a church, and how the gospel is going to continue moving again and again to the ends of the earth. So as I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking like, how far back in your story do you go? Do I tell you like day one, I was born here, I did this, and there's, there's actually just too much to tell. Uh, so I'm going to go back uh, nine years and one month um, uh, to February 2014. And this was one month uh, before I gave my life to Jesus. There should be a picture of me um, after a, this was a Sunday morning, uh, the date, I think it was about the 15th of Feb. Um, I like to party a lot. I don't know if you can tell by my face. And I was really, I was a broken man living in a broken world. And this wasn't an obscure different type of Sunday morning for me. This was a regular Sunday morning for me. And uh, I just thought church people were crazy. I thought you guys are like nice people, but you do your gig, I'll do mine. Um, at this time, I was uh, 27 years old. I'd, uh, I, was, I, was a, I graduated from uh, Tux uh, in 2009. I got my honors degree in um, uh, literature believe it or not. Um, I then worked in advertising as a, as a copywriter uh, for the past six or seven years. And um, I think I did all what was needed to stay under the radar at work, but still live uh, my own life doing my own things. So what had happened, uh, one evening, I'd been dating this girl for about a year and a half, uh, my behavior wasn't adding up to her clearly, right? Some nights you're not sleeping, you're always a bit musky, you're, like, you're always on a mission. And uh, one Sunday night she confronted me and she told me, she said, something's up and you need to come clean, otherwise we're done. Obviously there's me being highly offended that someone dare question my integrity uh, at that time, I was living in a community in town called Maboneng. It was like up and coming, and all the hipsters were there. All my neighbors were like break dancers and designers and rappers. Um, I was like the most boring guy just working a nine to five. And uh, 
we had such a big argument. I chased her from my house. I just said, I don't have time for you to raise your voice in my home. Go to your home. She was living in Torres at the time. She was driving from town CBD to her place in uh, Four Ways and actually drove past God first, just on First Avenue West, a couple of hundred meters from here, uh, on a Sunday night. And uh, they were having an evening service. As she was driving past, she hadn't been to church since about the age of 15. Uh, the first time she went into church uh, in 10 years, she went into the church service and just sat at the back crying. And to her horror or delight, my two brothers with their wives, who aren't Christians either, were at that church service. And uh, they have a huddle, and I, know, I would say they were skinnering about me, worried about me, saying, like, is everything okay? To, to fast forward, the awkward moment was that myself and my wife, she's now my wife, she was my girlfriend then, um, but has a happy ending, guys. Uh, we work together in advertising. I get to work the next day. I'm all like sheepish. Yo, like yesterday was so weird. Like now I'm going to like have to lie low and be awkward. She's in, uh, she comes to me at lunchtime and says, listen, I don't care what happened yesterday. Last night I went to church. Jesus is amazing. And we're going on Sunday. At this point, I'm not even sure like, I like, like, we're still going to be a couple by Sunday, right? I'm not even sure if we're still a couple at that moment. But during that week, I said, I'll get back to you. I said, okay, I decide, yo, I actually love this chick. Like, I'm going to go for, like, maybe this Sunday or next Sunday, and by, like, the third Sunday, we're going to be done. Like, you know, the wave's blown over, the dust has settled, we're just going to continue with our lives. So we go to church that Sunday night, and I remember I was that guy that said, like, I'm back, back, on the left, just looking around, looking at all these weird, clean, smiley, suspicious people. It does feel very suspicious when you're new. And um, I remember just sitting at the back, and I thought church was okay, the songs I didn't know, the Bible was just felt like pious to me, to be honest. Um, but in that service, there was a, a, a notice communicating and a course called the Alpha Course, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with. And the, the big headline tag for us was, was no question too big or too small, and there's free dinner. And I just thought, oh, wait, I can have a free child. I'm a bachelor. And I thought, these oaks got no question too big or too small. They don't know me. So the next day, I call the, I call the church number. I speak to some auntie. I say, auntie, listen. I want to do Alpha. Can I come tomorrow? I want to sign up. So she says, pull through. It starts at this time. The next day we get there. And like the food was cool, but I can't even remember what it is now. But what I did love was the, the time together, but then actually the, the small group time afterwards. And if you can think about the most irritating, prideful, alpha oak, that was me. And I just thought, ah, I'm going to educate these naive, small-minded Christians about the reality of life, you know? But actually, when I got there, you know, night one, I was a bit more quiet than I expected myself to be, and I was listening more than I usually listen. And I just left that night 
thinking, that was okay, I'll be back next week. That was my commitment. So the next Tuesday I came back, and then the next Tuesday I came back, and the next Tuesday I came back, and while I came back, I made a, I made a deal with God. I said to God, listen God, I'm going to come every Sunday night for the next eight weeks, I think that's how long Alpha was, and during these eight weeks, I would be very, I like the Alpha gig, and I thought there's some value in it, but the church gig, I was like, by the end of the eight weeks, I'll be very sure why church wasn't my vibe. And at least I can say I gave it a go. What I didn't expect during those eight weeks was to hear the gospel, was to come to faith, was to give my life to Jesus. At that stage, I'd been a, a recreational, I never even used the words before of a drug addict. There's like a, because that feels like a, a, an identity that's quite, harsh. So I'd never even admitted to myself that I had a a problem. But I came to a moment where I realized, yo, I haven't been able to live a day or two without using for the last 12 years. And uh, I remember one night I was in an evening service. Um, This was actually before I gave my life, so I don't know exactly how your theology works. I was in church, they're preaching on a God that heals. I'm just listening, thinking, okay, I guess so. At the end of the service, they said, listen, anyone who wants to come up for prayer, they must come to the front, and uh, leaders are to come lay hands on you and pray for you. And I was like, oh, wait, what have I got to lose? So I marched all the way from the back, and I came to the front, and a, a leader laid his hands on me, and he said, oh, what can I pray for, you know? And they just expecting, like, oh, work is tough, or, like, my knee's wonky again. It's always a knee, you know. You know, they I think they were expecting that. And I just, was for the first time in my life, I said to someone, I'm a drug addict, and I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I think the guy started sweating more than I was. <laughs> and he just mumbled through a prayer. Oh, Lord, help us out, you know? And I, I didn't have the language for it then. I didn't have the language for it then. Now you learn something. All I knew in that moment was, it's going to be okay. That's the only thing I experienced on me. Now, retrospect, I can say, it was the Holy Spirit, the Lord was there, he was ministering. All I knew in that moment, the oak was mumbling, and I just thought, I'm done. And that was it. I went home that night, back to my apartment, I lived in town, and I did a clean sweep of the place. Every bit of foil, paraphernalia, needles, you name it, I put in a bag, another bag, put that in my black bag, put that in another black bag, walked, I was on the sixth floor, walked down to the basement, and I remember putting this in like the, the trash section, you know, all the wheelie bins, and I just remember throwing this bag and sobbing. I didn't take the elevator, I walked six flights of stairs, just sobbing to myself. I don't know if you've ever been like hurt in a swimming pool. I've got two older brothers. And when you're trying to crawl to the side. And I felt like that, like sobbing, walking up the steps. And then as you pass someone, you're like, oh. <laughs> but that day, I just knew my life of drugs was behind me. And I've been clean ever since. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so I love how this Ephesian passage starts, right? 
It says, once we are dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. Without Christ, we are completely dead. You can't be half okay. You can't say, well, I'm a nice person. I'm part of the community group. I help kids with art on a Saturday. I even, like, I do separation at source in my kitchen for the waste. Like, I'm a good person. We either belong to Christ or we don't. Those are the two things. We either dead or we alive. There's only two categories. You either belong to Jesus or we don't. Sometimes we can get into this unhelpful way of thinking where we actually, we think there's a third category where we like, we sort of do things that we know are myth and like not good, but then we like come to church and we're part of a small group and then like, I know I'm not here, I mean, I'm not like great, but I'm also like not terrible, so we live in this medium, in this middle place, right? I mean, even scripture says, tell the church in Revelations to not be lukewarm. And maybe this morning I want to ask you the question, have you been lukewarm in your faith? Have you made church and Jesus just a part of your, your like 10 ways to have a better 2023? Like run more, eat better, less sugar, come to church every Sunday. And I just think Jesus isn't calling us to be half in. He's not calling us to be half alive. He's saying die to yourself. That is what he's actually asking us, is to die to ourselves. And for some of us, that is so scary. It's like, because when we die to ourselves, what we do is we give up everything for the gospel. We give up everything for Jesus. And actually, most of us are quite good at giving up most of it, right? We give up 90% of our hearts, but there's some things we just don't trust God with. And sometimes that's comfort in our lives. Sometimes that's sin. And for each one of us, that thing is different. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, what does he know? Our way. There's something that you need to let go of and give to God. So I'd, I'd gone to church. Someone had prayed for me. I'd, I'd been healed miraculously by uh, addiction. And uh, I remember now thinking, oh, wait, I'm in. I'm doing this thing. And I remember going to uh, church another Sunday night, and Greg, who leads uh, Parkhurst, was busy preaching. And one night, he was just preaching the simple gospel. You know? The simple gospel. And for the first time in my life, I actually got the order right, you know. We get taught a culture, we get taught the way the world works, is when I do good, I get a reward. If I do well, I get a thumbs up. But when I'm naughty, then I get punished. Then it's a, uh-uh, naughty boy, you know. When we do well, we do good, and when we do bad. And I just remember thinking my whole life was I needed to do better to be loved more. I need to fix myself before I can actually go to church. I need to fix myself before I can give my life to Jesus. I need to fix myself before I can call myself a Christian. And until I do that, I have to just stay where I am. And I remember the the night, it's almost like the the puzzle pieces like fitted for the first time. 
And I was like, yo, if I'm going to wait to be perfect, to come to Jesus, hey, Jesus is going to wait a long time. Because that is never going to happen. And for us, actually the call for us, is there's a call for us to surrender our lives to God. In every other context, the word surrender would be classified as weakness, right? But actually, when you come to Christ, the most powerful, the greatest thing you can do with your life is to surrender it to Jesus. So when we come to Jesus and we surrender ourselves, actually, that is when we receive power. That is when he comes and he takes hold of our life. When he takes us from death and he brings us to life. So if you're here sitting here this morning and you're thinking, yo, I don't know if I've surrendered my life. Have I truly surrendered my life? Am I truly the, who's the authority of my life? Is it me or is it Jesus? Right, when I read scripture, there's two things I love to see, right? The word tells us that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And as we think about uh, those two words about Savior and Lord, lots of us love to have Jesus as our Savior, the one that saves us from addiction, the one that saves us from our trouble, the one that saves us from loneliness, the one that saves us from these things. And we just think, oh, how, do, how can knowing God bless me? And actually, we, we, it's quite us-focused. The second part is, Jesus is Savior, but he's also Lord. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is Jesus the authority over your life? When you're making decisions, whether it's about your family or your business or your finances or the kids or whatever, where you want to live, where you want to go, what, are you the ultimate authority over your own life or is Jesus? Often most of the things have to suit us and when the stars align and the horoscope in the U magazine sorts it, then I wear, I'll trust or are we saying, God, everything is in your hands. Everything is up to you. Don't let Jesus be just the Savior of, a, of your life, but let him be Lord too. So I don't know what picture we're on. I'm going to go through some pictures for you. Go one back. This is in, uh, that first picture you saw was in February 2014. Uh, this is a month later, more or less the time I gave my life to Jesus in March 2014. Uh, the next one is April uh, 2014. I mean, it says, repent and be baptized. I was like, all I, guys, my theology is a very simple one, and it always has been. And I just think how simple our lives would be if we just obeyed Scripture. If we weren't trying to become uh, theologians and professors, if it says, repent, aware, I'm sorry. Be baptized, aware, I'm being baptized. Think how much easier your life would be if you're just obedient to God in your life. Okay, this was April. Next one, I got engaged to that girlfriend that was fighting with me. Uh, that was in June. What's the next one? Um, this is my uh, daughter. So you'll see I've got a Zulu wife. This daughter is not Zulu. Um, when I was at varsity, I had a, a, a child with a, a girl I knew for four weeks. Um, obviously, because of my druggies, like, uh, our relationship with the mom had broken down. And this was in July 2014. And this was the, she was five years old at the time. And this was the first time I saw my daughter in about, about 15 months. 
And the reason I wanted to show you this is like, God is in the business of restoring stuff. God is in the business. I don't know what many people in Joburg and the world have very complicated home lives, whether it's with the spouse or with the kids or with the parents or with the cousin or the uncle, whatever it is. I want to say don't stop trusting God for full restoration in every single relationship in your life. It's not okay that you don't speak to your brother. It's not okay that you haven't spoken to your dad. It's not okay that you don't see your kids, whatever it is, whatever your situation is. God is in the business of restoring stuff. And today, my two boys and my daughter are best friends. We see each other often. God is amazing. Even the, my mother of the daughter, my ex, 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 is a friend. They come to our home. We hang together. We brow. We, we're friends. God can restore stuff, believe it or not. Okay. And then uh, December that year, uh, myself and my wife got uh, married. Uh, December 2014. The point I'm trying to make, I'm not trying to preach a false gospel saying, give your life to Jesus and perfection will follow, because that's a complete lie. But what I am saying is when we walk faithfully and with obedience, hey, all I can say is God does stuff. God does good stuff. And we can trust him with our whole heart. Okay. So at this time, we can go to part two of the slides. Um, at the time, I was working at a youth marketing agency. We specialized in youth. Uh, we were part of the TBWA group. Uh, I did cool work, even though I was high most of the time. I'd now got saved. I was clean. Um, and I got involved at uh, God First up the road. I did this Get Connected course, so a new members course, whatever you call it here. Just a heads up for those who are going. At the end of that thing, there is a course, a thing that says, where are you signing up to serve in the church? There's a place where you have to get involved, whether it's the projector or the band or kids' church or whatever. And on that form, um, I'm reading through the list. I'm saying, car guards, why? I'm not doing that. Hospitality, I'm like, oh, where? I'm making enough coffee at home. I went through all the things. And the only thing I signed up for was, was youth. And I was at a youth specialist agency. I was still actually acting like an 18-year-old. I thought, oh, where? I'm going I'm to help with kids. And... Uh, I started serving at our youth. I knew nothing about the Bible, but what I did know was like on a Sunday morning, I'd have to teach the word of God to kids who'd been Christians their whole lives, even though they're younger than me. So that week I'd be like reading like mad. So when I came there, I could walk in with confidence and be like, oh wait, Jesus loves you, Oaks. <laughs> and, the, and the amazing thing is God used that. God has used that. Over the last uh, eight years, I've been involved in a number of schools across the city. I've been at St. Sivians. I've been at Parkdown Boys. I've been at Cares. Um, I've been at Greenside High. I've been at all these schools across the city. I've seen hundreds of boys and girls come to faith. And sometimes I'm just amazed. I'm like, like, like how? Like how did, like how is God doing this stuff? all the time, again and again and again. God is impacting lives all across the city. Uh, in 2016, just I love how this morning, Dave's calling on this church for those who have kids, those who want to, or youth, high schoolers, those who have high schoolers, those who want to serve on high schoolers. Guys, I really want to encourage you, get involved with high schoolers. They are the most epic age group in the church. 
one, they're brave and courageous. Two, they think they always, they can conquer anything. I love that you get to see them grow up before your eyes. When they come, when they're 13 years old, they're like, hello, uncle. By the time they matric, they're like, you're so, can I take you for a beer to say thanks, eh? <laughs> like, in five years, are you joking? It's like, boom. It's like, it's, it's amazing. So I really want to encourage this church, be praying for your high schoolers, be praying for high school leaders, and then, like, spread the word wherever you go. They, when high schoolers give their, the thing I love about high schoolers, right, they're either in or they're out. As adults, sometimes we can do this, my foot in two, two sections, where we, where we want to do our things, and Saturdays are for the boys, but Sunday's for God, and, you know, we, we sort of like, we can live in two worlds. Teenagers are either there, serving, loving, praying, prophesying, or they know it to be seen. There's no middle ground for them. And what our hope is to get kids that are far away from Jesus, close to him. Amen? Again, I want to remind us this morning, my heart is to remind us that the gospel actually works. The gospel, it actually works. And I don't know what confidence you have in the gospel. Sometimes we think that it's Jesus and his gospel plus something else. Like, oh, there's this guy in our church and he needs Jesus, but only if we could find him a job, things would be way better for him. Or there's this guy, and like, I know he needs prayer, but actually he needs this other thing. He needs counseling. Or we have this guy, but actually what he needs is, if he just had a car, then he, all his financial things would be sorted for him. And I'm not saying those things are unimportant at all. I think what we do need to lead with and know is that the gospel works. The gospel is the thing that changed lives. The gospel is the one that brings dead things back to life. And that is the thing we need to treasure above anything else. Before the entrepreneurial program we're running for small businesses, before the feeding scheme, the thing we need to treasure above all else is the gospel of Jesus. That is what, it's, what Scripture tells us. I'm just looking at time. I love it. When I got saved in 2014, I got saved uh, through an Alpha course. And since that time, I'd run Alpha many times in schools, in my home, and all over the city. Uh, number one, it was easy to do. It's done for you. You don't have to spend hours preparing a preach. You invite people, you have some food, you watch the video, you chat about the video. It is the easiest evangelistic tool I've come across. It really works. In 2018, my wife, her name's Kobile, she started an inner city art school in an old theater in town uh, called the Alhambra Theater. Uh, if you over the age of like 40, probably went to go watch a show there back in the day. Uh, Peter Torin, that used to be his place before he moved to Monty and sold out. And um, that theater was empty for 20 years, from 1997 to 2017. And my wife had about 100 uh, high school students every afternoon. Uh, she was working at Vega at the time, and they were running an art program for inner city kids. Inside that venue, there's three cool venues, like a 300-seater and like 200-seaters. 
And I remember just saying to Tom, sure, we need to do an alpha here. And she was like, okay. So in February 2019, we launched an alpha course in the city. And we went old school. Uh, we didn't know a single person. We printed out A6 flyers. We printed out posters. We literally did the illegal thing and just stuck them on trees, stuck them on buildings, went to cafes, went to taxi ranks, just invited anyone who had an ear to come. And we invited them to the, to the course. You know, he's like, do you have questions about Jesus and are you hungry? Then come join us on Sunday mornings. So what we did, we ran an alpha course. We had about 100 people uh, that joined us on that course. Um, fast forward to the end of that course, people were saying, okay, what happens next week? And we were like, uh, we don't know. So then he said, okay, why don't you come with us to church? You're, we're actually in Parkhurst. And for a season, he went to Parkhurst on a Sunday with guys from the CBD. At that time, um, myself and my wife, who were living in Malanshof, uh, in Randburg, we decided, we just felt God calling us back to the city uh, where, where I'd been uh, years before. We sold our home in uh, Randburg. Um, we, we stay in, someone asked this morning, we stay in a community called Observatory, which is the, the closest suburb you can stay in to the city and still have a dog and a pool. Okay. So you can hear the birds and gunshots, but it's, <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But that is where we want to be. And we just felt God saying to us, it's like, yesterday I was driving uh, out to Machalisburg, and I was driving on the, it's the M2, and you see the, the city on the right. And as I was driving, I was praying, and I just thought, the reason why God loves cities so much is because people are in cities. The reason why God loves City so much is because people are in cities. And that's where we feel called by God to be. Uh, so what had happened, we, we started meeting. COVID came, as everyone knew. Everyone went. Pastors have been telling us not to do social media for years. Are now all saying, tune in Sunday morning, 9 o'clock on the live stream. Uh, everyone became a broadcaster. Uh, do you remember a thing called watch parties? When guys used to watch like Netflix online, blah, blah. Anyway, we started hosting watch parties in my home because we had about 50 people gathered who were with us from Alpha. In the city, no one has data or airtime. It's all used for transport money. So guys can't watch the online service, right? So as soon as the regulations like, sort of like became more loose, um, we started watching the live stream in my home uh, with our community. But over time, what we started to realize um, our, we're watching the, the Parks live stream, and that's got a certain lens and context in which to do stuff. We realized that worship wasn't working for us in our home. So on a Sunday morning, we'd get to my home, pause the live stream, and we would do worship ourselves, uh, singing more of a next song, songs that the community knew, uh, worshiping God together, and then we would just watch the preach, and then afterwards have tea and cakes. But then after a while, we realized, yo, these guys on this preach are talking like university professors, and it was just difficult for our community to understand. So then we started doing our own worship and our own preaching in my home. Then people started inviting their friends. So now we started doing church in the garden, which was a bigger mission. And then we had so many kids 
that we actually had to start a kids' church in the house while the adults were in the garden. So now we're getting all these people in my home, loving the Lord. We're seeing God redeeming stuff. Why? Because the gospel works. Just a reminder. And at this time, we start saying, yo, guys, we actually need a place. I'm, I'm tired of waking up at 8 o'clock on a Sunday, 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning to quickly mop my home to have 60 people in my house. And then after everyone leaves, I have to do cups and it's missions, right? So we start looking for a place in our community to, to not even, we're not even thinking about planting a church. We're just saying as a place to gather and like be a community. That was our heart. In November 2020, um, around that time, I'm on property 24. I'm looking at every single property in Joburg, in our hood, uh, that could possibly work. There is nothing available, right? Most homes in our community, we in our old part of Joburg, are three-bedroom, one-bathroom homes, like these beautiful, a little bit like Parkhurst used to be, actually, except the homes are stacked with people, with families. Each bedroom has a family of four or five or six in it. So a normal three-bedroom home has 15-plus people in. Uh, and just last year, a house burnt down in our community, one road up from where our church is now, and 33 people are displaced. So the overcrowding is mad. So to get a venue like this, where people can sit and worship God and have a space, is almost impossible. Long story short, with God, nothing's impossible, right? We end up buying this broken and uh, derelict warehouse uh, in uh, Bertrams in the city. And um, I actually brought this with today. I was with Greg. We went to go into this place. This place is finished. The lights aren't working. The taps have been stolen. The bathroom is like, I can't even, like, it's just a place, okay? And after we um, went to this place, we just felt like, yo, this is our home. This here is the napkin. Um, Greg, uh, we went for coffee afterwards. We, we went to go see this place, and we walked across the road for a coffee. And as we sat down there, um, Greg took this napkin, and he drew a floor plan of the church. The bones did not look like that, by the way. Um, he just drew this floor plan of the church. And on here, I can see the hall. I can see co-working space. I can see kids' rooms. I can see offices. And today, what we have done, we've, I just want to tell you how amazing God is. Our property was purchased for us in full. The renovations for the property were fully sponsored to us uh, in full. And we've been able to slowly um, do things. Buy chairs this month, three months' time, put in the kitchen, two months' time. We've been going along. But as we are talking this morning, we, we launched last year, October, uh, 16th of October, we launched. Um, from then, we've already had baptisms, people coming to faith and getting saved. Uh, we've seen uh, people get added to the church. We prayed in members a month ago, and we're doing our next membership pray in uh, next week. Uh, we've launched a kids' church. There's a women's ministry. We've launched youth. Long story short, the gospel works. The gospel works. We can trust in Jesus. 
There is no ways in my life, 10 years ago, I would have told you I'd even be attending a church or God would do any of the stuff that he's done. The God in Scripture is the same God that we have today. It's the same God we can trust today. And I think my, my, my exhortation this morning for us is not to, be, not to be casual about our faith, not to be ones who are, who are okay with just doing the Sunday gig, who are okay with just giving the guy the robot a five rand. I think God has called us for so much more than that. So we have this big building in town. It's about 1,000 square meters. For us, we felt by God to have a venue like this, which is a blessing in our community, that is used for three hours on a Sunday is an absolute waste of an asset. Imagine I said to you, you can only use your cell phone for three hours on a Sunday morning or your car, whatever it is. So what we've done, um, you'll see on the top of the, the, the outside of the building, uh, the venue's called the warehouse uh, because that's what the community called it. Oh, pastor, you're at the warehouse. We'll see you there. So the venue's called the warehouse, and you see it says the social justice hub. So our heart, what we've done inside the building, we've created five offices uh, which, are go- which serve as a, a co-working space for Christian nonprofits and NGOs, uh, for people who love Jesus, who are passionate about the city, who need a base from which to operate from. At the moment, we have uh, three tenants. Uh, so if you are a leader of a Christian nonprofit or NGO, and love Jesus and love the city, and are looking for a home in which to establish your, your organization or another base, please come and speak to me. We would love to grab a coffee, connect, uh, and see how we can partner uh, for the future. Uh, so there's lots of cool stuff, and just telling you about the social justice hub is a whole nother, whole nother preach, so I'll keep that for you. This morning, I hope as I've been speaking, you've been uh, just reminded that God actually does stuff that he can use you and he can use me. That if you are, I always say to my teenagers, I've been leading our high school ministry at Parks for the last seven years, a life with Jesus is life's greatest adventure. So if you think your life is boring, follow Jesus. Okay, just three application points for us before I end. Number one, I want you to believe the gospel. I want you to have greater confidence in the gospel. I want you to know that Jesus changes lives. He can change your circumstance today. Jesus is not a 10-step program. He is not calling you to get better, to find yourself, to understand a higher power, to then like be clean for a month. He's saying, today come to me. Believe the gospel. Secondly, I want to stir faith amongst us that know that God wants to use you for his glory. Sometimes we can come to church and we look around us and we think, ah, you know, Dave's a man of God. God's got to use him and his family to do this. You know, ah, there's Jonathan. Ah, that guy's so good on the guitar. Jonathan, ah, that guy's going to bring God glory. Or there's the kids' workers. Ah. That guy just got such an anointing over his life. Me, I'm just here. 
I just, I sit in the same chair every week, and sometimes I give an amen, but this is me. No. God wants to use you for his glory. And this morning, if you're thinking, I don't even know what that is, I want to ask you, have you been praying about it? Have you been praying for God to, to actually kick down the door of your life? Come on, go to do a kick here. Have you been praying for that? God does not want us to go through the motions. Sometimes we, we have this misrepresentation of Jesus. Jesus was a revolutionary. He turned things upside down. He was killed because he was causing trouble, right? Jesus wants to use you. I want us to have greater faith and confidence in the call of God on our own lives. And lastly in that, this is connected, right? I want us to be ones who are courageous for God. I want us to, want to be ones who have courage. And when I say this, is, there's just one thing I want to remind us of. Scripture tells us that we are citizens of heaven. And I want you to think about what that means. What does it mean that we are citizens of heaven? If you're a citizen of heaven, it means you actually don't belong here. And whether God gives us 10 years, 50 years, or 100 years here on earth, actually, we should know that our time here is temporary. If you belong to Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, you can have confidence that eternity is sorted, right? We are with Jesus forever and ever and ever. In his, in his presence and worshiping him forever. But what that should also do that should give us courage to live here and now well. To live here and now courageously. Because we're not really caring, we're not really too bothered about what home I have. We're not really too bothered about what car I have. We're not too bothered about our circumstance here. Because our, our eternity is in heaven, actually we can be, we can be courageous now. And I want to maybe challenge us as a church to, to pray to God, wait for Him to respond, and then what He tells you to do, to go and do. If He tells you to sell your home and move, do it. If He tells you to go to another country, do it. If He tells you to, to sell your business, whatever it is, will you have the courage to do it for His glory? Amen? Thank you.